Chapter 7 of Bielehilt by Julie Sutter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 7 Patient in Tribulation. I know how to be abased. Philippians 4.12. Shortly after Hayden's departure, Gila took up her residence at the Würzburg. She was followed by her attendants, men and women, all of whom, of course, were heathen. But more than this, a number of heathen priests returned with her, bringing up wagons containing all the utensils considered needful for pagan sacrifice. Within a few days the whole aspect of the Borg was changed. Billihilt, her women, and a few aged retainers were the only Christians left. These were rudely pushed aside while the heathen, priests and all, ruled the place. Gila at once took it upon herself to play the mistress, Billihilt submitting in silence. But her worst time was at meals, when Gila taunted her with all manner of insult in the hearing of the assembled household. Thou wilt soon return to whence thou camest, she said. When my son comes back, he will separate from the low-born creature who is no better than a beggar. Thou shalt have leave then to join thy lover Giselhar for aught we care. I have no lover save the Herzog, said Bilihilt proudly, and if you care to know my descent, I am as nobly born perchance as my husband. My father's uncle was king of Dundalk. Gila burst into a mocking laughter. Dundalk, she cried, and where may this kingdom be, as large as our dairy farm, I warrant me? He was a free lord of his clan. Such are called kings with us. "'I perceive,' sneered Gila. "'That is why the free lord Giselhar could so easily become king of thy heart. Birds of a feather, I see. But when the Herzog returns, thou shalt be put to the fire ordeal. If thou art as pure as thou wouldst have us believe, thy feet can walk upon the burning embers scatheless.' To such language she treated her day after day. Poor Billihild was scarcely able to eat for sorrow and grief. Her health began to suffer. She saw that she and her hopes would perish if this continued. She consequently refused to appear in the hall, and retired to one of the spare chambers, where at least she could have peace, requesting to have her meals served there. Gila sent her the remains of the servants' table, but Billihild was satisfied. In the morning she continued to gather the few Christian people about her, to read the gospel with them and unite in prayer which alone could uphold them in trouble. But the little congregation was often obliged to take refuge in a small garret-room behind her chamber, in order to get away from the yelling which the heathen servants made a point of striking up before Billihilt's window whenever they thought her engaged in worship. The wild singing of coarse songs in honor of the heathen gods in itself was a trouble to be borne, and whenever the Christian servants ventured abroad they were reviled and buffeted. They could but remember what their lord had said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep among wolves. It was on the second Sunday after Hayden's departure that Billihilt, at the head of her little flock, left the Borg amid the scornful laughter of her adversaries. She was on her way to the Cenobis some time before the bell began to call to worship, and thereby gained her object, which was to secure half an hour in which she might unbosom herself to the faithful abbot, telling him her grief and receiving his advice and consolation. She found him alone in his cabin, and was in the midst of her tale of sorrow, when the door of the adjoining room was flung open, and Giselhar burst in, who, having heard of her trouble, could no longer restrain himself. "'For heaven's sake!' she exclaimed, terrified. "'How is it that you are here?' I have come on Toido's business," replied he. I arrived last night, intending to watch from here how Gila fulfills her oath. This is the way, then, in which the woman keeps her promise. Very well, I am here now, and I will teach her better. For God's sake, do not interfere," cried Billihild, unless you mean to ruin me entirely. She has not yet troubled our worship here, and her treatment of myself is of no consequence to you. Billihild," said Giselhar tenderly, there was a time when thou didst not use the you in addressing me. Canst thou not trust me as thou didst then? Thou hast joined thyself in wedlock to this heathen, meaning to do well, 
but the great sacrifice thou hast brought for the Christian cause has availed thee nothing. It grieves me beyond measure to see thee suffer. Ah, Bilihilt, I have not changed since then. Indeed, I honor and love thee all the more. This union with a heathen is no marriage. It cannot be binding. By the word of the apostle thou art free to depart from him who first departed from thee, giving thee over to thine enemy. St. Paul says, For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband, and also a brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. Come with me, I will take thee in safety to Herzog Teudos' court, and he himself will procure thy divorce. That I might be free to marry you? said Bilihilt scornfully. Truly a tempting offer, but I say to you, get thee behind me, thou art an offence unto me. I have taken my oath not to leave the Würzburg while my husband is absent in the war. But quite apart from this, it needed not an oath to make me choose the path of duty. It is not true that Hayden departed from me in the sense you would have it, and the Apostle says, the woman who hath a husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. I am his true wife, and I will keep him the faith I have pledged him before God. Tempt me not to dishonor the name of Christ, be false to his people, and lay them open to the Herzog's vengeance." "'The men of God are under the special protection of Herzog Teudo,' said Giselhar. "'He can keep them safe better than thou couldest, and they are further protected by Schildebert, the powerful king of the Franks, who is united under his scepter Neustria, Burgundy, and Austrasia and who will no longer allow these Thuringian Herzogs to play the part of independent rulers, considering they have been obliged to acknowledge the supremacy of the Frankish kings for nearly two centuries now. No, Billihild, it needs not thy sacrifice to keep the men of God safe. Why shouldst thou suffer these things?" "'I have but one answer,' said Billihild. "'Nothing will happen to me but what is the will of God. Yet one word to you, Giselhar. You say you love me. I crave not your love, but I may well ask for Christian charity. It was your foolish, unguarded behavior the other day which caused my husband to put me in charge of the cruel Gila, lest I should meet you in his absence. If you will add to my sorrows, you have but to remain here. But if you have a kindly feeling for me, I pray you leave the country before Gila becomes aware of your presence. Or, if this is against Herzog Teudo's command, at least take your abode at Hushheim and not at Würzburg. Yes, interposed the abbot now. Let this be your decision. It is enough. The bell is ringing, and I must enter the oratory. Thou, Giselhar, shall remain in my cabin, and I forbid thee to show thyself to any one. I myself will take care to see thee to Hushheim in the night." Giselhar, having both the abbot and the Herzogin against him, retired as he was bid. Bilihilt accompanied the abbot to the oratory, and after hearing the word and partaking of the Lord's Supper, refreshed and strengthened in spirit, she left the Cenobi with her companions, to enter with a willing heart upon another week of sorrow. But arriving at the Borg she found the household gathered in the court evidently intent upon what news they could gather from one in their midst. Bilihild went nearer, if possible, to hear what he had to say, when to her intense delight she saw it was Pilung himself, Pilung who had set out with the expedition, and who had now returned, dispatched by the Herzog after battle. "'Pilung!' she cried. "'What of my husband?' "'Ah, the Herzogin herself!' exclaimed the messenger. "'To you I am sent with news of a great victory, which the Herzog, with his Christian followers, has won over the rebel heathen. But enter your own hall, noble lady, it is to you in the place of honour that I will deliver my message. If others like to listen, they may hear that none of the heathen rebels escaped." Gila retired to her room, but Billihild once more sat in her rightful place in the hall, the people gathering about her, while Pilung, mounting a stool, delivered himself of his report. The Herzog had safely crossed the Rhone, and was passing through the valley of the Vestra, when his scouts returned with the information that the whole array of the enemy, the Saxons, together with the disaffected Thuringians, had been seen on the bank of the Horsula, beyond the forest. The Herzog then took counsel with his faithful nobles. Some were for climbing the mountain, called the High Suona, from the fact that justice there is delivered to the people, and from that height to make a descent upon the enemy. Others again were afraid of an open battle, 
because the enemy was far stronger than we, they were rather for enticing them into ravines and hollows where numbers would not avail. The Herzog took position upon the Suona with his vanguard. Then Heimerish spoke to me. Pilung, wouldst thou do good service to the Christian cause? Yes, said I, and should it cost my life. Then exchange thy warrior's coat, he said, for a peddler's jerkin. Let me batter thee about a little, that thou mayest have a few scratches to show. Go down into the valley of the Horsula, and get thee into the camp of the rebel Thuringians. Tell them Hayden and his vanguard are on top of the Suona, that one of his men had thus beaten thee. They will ask thee about his force, and thou shalt say truthfully that the body of his fighting men are still behind, that he alone with twenty nobles and their followers had climbed the mountain. I did as Heimerish told me. I easily distinguished the Thuringians from the Saxons, and told them as I had been bid. They decided at once to surprise the Herzog, in order to make him prisoner, and commanded me to show them the way. Now I must tell you that there is a ravine in the slope of the Suona, worn through the rock by water. It is so narrow that two men cannot pass it abreast, and so deep that the sun never reaches its bottom, the rocks towering high right and left. Up this path I led them, saying they could thus reach the top unseen by mortal eye. As they went up the defile, Heimerich, according to our arrangement, with some of his party, descended through the forest and took his position behind them at the foot of the ravine. The first of them, meanwhile, having reached the top, I told them to go straight ahead and they would soon come upon the Herzog. But at this moment our brave nobles were upon them and their defeat was complete. Those which had not yet left the defile turned their backs and fled, pursued from the top, but there was no escape at the bottom. Heimerich and his followers received them man by man as they emerged from the ravine. Most were killed, some were taken prisoners. The Herzog had by this time been joined by the great body of his fighting men, and when he heard what Heimerich and a handful of Christian nobles had done he was loud in their praise. One of the prisoners escaped. He fled into the Saxon camp to announce what had happened. They hastily rose to arms, but Hayden and his force were upon them, attacking them from different sides. It was a bloody encounter, but the Saxons were defeated. Hayden pursued them to where the Horsula joins the Vestra. There they gained their ships, and moreover the night closed in, else not a man would have escaped. The Herzog dispatched me to bring you the news of this great victory, which the Lord hath given him, and he bids you to hold the men of God in loving care. That was a sunbeam to Billihilt's heart, while Gila saw but clouds on the horizon. Hayden's heathen enemies had been annihilated. He had been revenged on them by his Christian followers. It seemed pretty certain what his future course would be. But the first thing which Billihilt now did was to gather her Christian people about her to offer up thanks. There was no noise now to disturb their worship. When it was near dinner-time, Gila sent two of her women, begging Billihilt to join again the common meal in the hall, promising she should in no way be molested. Billihilt hesitated a moment. Her Christian humility would have complied with Gila's request, but upon reflection she saw that the latter would only presume upon her forbearance. She replied, therefore, she would continue to take her meals in solitude. Then Gila grew alarmed, and made a point of sending her the choicest morsels. But the old Herzogin's wicked heart soon beat more lightly. Her maiden, Fregisvind, had whispered to her important news, nothing less than that Giselhar had been seen at Hushheim. "'Aha!' said Gila. If Hayden cannot be brought to hate her for her religion's sake, he will do so for her infidelity. It is plain there is some understanding between her and Giselhar. What else should be the reason of his presence while my son is away? But we will watch them. I shall not prevent her meeting him in the Cenobi. On the contrary, I shall be glad if I can prove it." And behold, the very next morning the maid Regisvent came to Billyhild, expressing an unexpected wish to join the Christian worship. She was anxious, she said, about her soul, and desirous of knowing more of Billyhild's God. The young Herzogin doubted her sincerity, but gave her leave. She chose the story of Ananias and Sapphira for the morning's portion, adding a few solemn words as to the power and holiness of God, before whom no falsehood could live. Regisvent trembled a little, but she continued to attend prayers. 
Two or three days thus passed peacefully, but then came a night of grievous woe. Billyhilt was roused from sleep by the buffalo horn from the tower. She knew it meant alarm, and dressed in haste. A horseman arrived, voices were loud in the courtyard, and as she opened her shutter a cry of horror passed from mouth to mouth. "'The Herzog is dead! Dead!' they cried, and Billyhilt sank in a swoon. End of chapter 7